The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Football and random things. It's uh, Tuesday afternoon. I just got back from Portland uh, early this morning. I spent the night in the Denver airport. Jeff, it was an experience. Have you ever spent the night in an airport before? Uh, I've never spent the night in an airport. I have spent, when we went to our honeymoon in Italy, because of travel and like layovers, we spent a combined like 36 hours across four airports, but it wasn't one night in one airport, let alone the Denver airport, which as Chris Williams would tell you, definitely haunted. Yeah. It, uh, the Denver airport's huge. So you have lots of space to just walk back and forth while you're in the, cause you can't go anywhere. Obviously you're just like walking, you know, we was, we have, we'll get layovers to through Denver a lot. And, uh, one of the things that we like to do, well, there's a bookstore there we'll want. So I'm going to go find a look in the bookstore, but two is go through like multiple terminals. They have like the walking, the little walking sidewalk things. Yeah. I think uh, Aaron and I did like a mile and a half on the walking sidewalks going with the walking sidewalk. So like total distance traveled got to be three miles just the fastest walkers on earth. It's impressive. Uh, all right. Football and random things brought to you by our friends at Wiffles hybrids. Uh when it comes to selecting your Syncorn partner, you've got a choice to make. At Wiffles Hybrids, they've made a choice too. A choice to remain independent. A choice to remain farm family owned. A choice to stay American. So when it's your time to make a choice, make a statement. Plant your independence. Plant Wiffles. I don't know what good it even does us to try and go back through Iowa State's 62-14 to 14 loss to TCU on Saturday. Uh, I was at the Civil War game out in Oregon. So that was fun. I, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, much better than watching 62 to 14. Do you have anything that you want to talk about specifically from the game? Or should we just do this as an overarching discussion? I think the only thing that I can say is um, that the defense, obviously, I mean, you give them 62 points, two of which are pick sixes. So they didn't give up those two. So they only only gave up 48 points. Um, but the difference, I think, is that defensive football is one of the hardest things to do. And you have to really want to do it. Uh -huh. And you could tell that pretty quickly into that game that they, they didn't want to do that. Like they, they didn't want to be there, which this was really the first time it's been a meaningless game, you know, meaningless in the, the, the grand scheme of things in the Matt Campbell tenure since like the end of 2016. But even the end of 2016 was like, we're building something. This is new. This is whatever. So this really was the first time that we'd seen, um, what happens in a meaningless game. And I think this, it was sort of a fitting end to a frustrating season and also shades of 2013 Baylor. Yeah. Very much yeah. shades of 2013 Baylor. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think it just solidifies in my mind, you know, that there, there are some things that probably needs to change that just doesn't seem like something you do if your program's healthy, you know, yeah. in the last game of the season. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about those here in just a few minutes, but um, we're going to do some postseason grades uh, for for most of the position groups. Let's do the we'll talk about the offense first, I think, because that's going to be the longest conversation. But let's do the unit. What would you give the offensive unit for a grade for the entire season? I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to think anywhere north of D minus. 
Yeah. You know, I think I would say, let's call it a D, like a D even because of Xavier Hutchinson, because you do have uh, who should be a Blitnikoff finalist. He is. Um, yeah. And say. so but you have a Blitnikoff finalist that was there. There are things that if you use them correctly can be decent building blocks for the future. I thought Decker's when he's in a good headspace and when he's given a good uh, set of reads that he feels comfortable with can really sling it around. I mean, we can't forget about the early few games. Granted, they were not, not great opponents other than Iowa's defense. Uh, that that offense looked like it knew what it wanted to be. And then after Jirel Brock got hurt, which I think was really the main thing that flipped the season um, is him not ever being healthy ran that offense in a completely different direction for a bunch of different ways. Um, because where did this offense struggle a lot, which was on in the, I mean, in the red zone, it was awful, 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 awful in the red zone. And how do you convert in the red zone is you got to make a play. And you, at some point, like at some points you got to run through like to, to make Marshawn Lynch appropriate. You got to run through, uh, you know, an MF face. Like you have to take your headgear and put it through someone's chest in order to get the first down Brock can do that when he's healthy, but he was never healthy throughout the rest of the year. So like how many third and twos didn't get converted because there was no gyro Brock to advance the ball two yards. And then the other part is um, Decker's when, when he would get frustrated, you could tell that he would get more mad than in his own head. Like he would be externally frustrated as opposed to internally frustrated, where you look at a guy like Jace Gilbert, who would be internally frustrated where when something didn't go wrong or something didn't go right, you could tell that he kind of withdrew into himself where Deckers would start arguing with somebody or start whatever. It's both it's frustration in both camps. It's just external frustration versus internal frustration. And if you can see that here and you have, go for it. Let me cut you off. Let's do the quarterbacks then. Okay. What what would you be giving the grade for the for the quarterbacks? I think that's a C minus. In, but it's also hard to say because I remember there is a and and I it's probably a false falsely attributed quote, but the uh, Albert Einstein thing of saying if you graded a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'd think every fish was stupid, and it feels like he is the fish trying to climb a tree where. When he was a fish allowed to swim, it was pretty damn good. But when it didn't feel like at any point during the year, they gave him a consistent trajectory to follow. Mm -hmm. And if they did, he wasn't following it, which means it has to come back on then the coaching of that person to say, uh, is it a capacity problem? Like, can you physically not read a defense or is it a computation problem where you're not able to process what we're asking you to process? So should we simplify the reading? Should we simplify the process? And it felt like he wasn't able to do that, but when he was good, he was really good. It's just when he was bad, it's hard to say if he was bad himself or if it was bad because he was in the, in the situations he had been put in, he wasn't really allowed to succeed. So I'm going to go with C minus and kind of an er too early to tell on Deckers and the quarterback again, just because of the situation that he was put in. What's his uh what's his homework for the offseason? Or no, let me ask you this. Put a percentage odds on it that Hunter Deckers is Iowa State starting quarterback next year for game one. It feels like fairly good. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's too much raw talent for him not to. And you you got, got you got guys like Rocco and you I mean JJ Cole's coming in but I think JJ's got a lot of weight room to get to before he's going to be on the field, um, but 
the thing that Hunter himself needs. So, so as a percentage, what's he, what's the likelihood he's the the starting quarterback? I think north of ninety. Like as long as he hit is for whatever reason, he's not going to be like I'm going to transfer like Spencer Rattler. Like I'm not going to transfer to some other place. Like if that's not the case, if he's back at, in Ames, I would imagine that he's going to be the starting quarterback. But his homework that he's got to do is have an honest look in the mirror. Like Zach Wilson in New York. It's obviously not exactly the same situation, but Zach Wilson in New York got benched, not because of physical talent or physical incapability. He wasn't reading and wasn't making decisions within the offense. And they sat him on the bench and said, hey, if you don't fix your attitude, you're not going to be, we don't need you that much. So I don't think the Deckers was ever in that camp, but it's towards that direction in kind of taking a look in the mirror and saying, what do I do well? What gets me to a situation that I am not good in? And how can I alleviate myself to get to those things before? Like you were watching Armando Baycott and the North Carolina game. Bob Jones got him frustrated. Like Armando Baycott in a calm, normal mental state is going to crush everybody on that roster. Like there's nothing anybody can do to stop Armando Baycott except Armando Baycott. Mm -hmm. And he was in his own head. So imagine if he had the mental capacity to then turn like to build a wall between the frustrations in his brain that if the frustration comes he's got a mental space to to, a a mental barrier to keep that frustration out of himself so he can still go to operate i think deckers is going to have to do something like that so he can continue to just go out cut it loose and play football because that's when he's really good so i think that's the biggest his homework for the year is exclusively between the ears like how can you build the mental like the the mental resiliency to maintain calm when you when all things are pointing towards you shouldn't be calm like that's what i think he needs to do between next year or between last year and next year all right uh the running backs we already know Dion silas is in their transfer portal so uh what do you think what do you think about that group um now we know that Dion silas isn't coming back how do you feel about that group coming back next year i ain't great on the season again another c, c it's hard to, i would even go d plus but it's again it's, it's hard, hard to, to knock them because of injuries yeah they were sure. they were hurt all year and then you're then you got guys playing out of position you know another basketball example is let's say that last you know last year when jazz coons had to play the five imagine if jazz coons then turned his ankle and you had to have like tristan and aruna being your center primary center like yeah, Tristan and Arun is probably not going to be the best in that position, but he's also playing way out of position for what he should be in. So it's going to be even worse. So like Deion Silas was never supposed to be the every down back. And I think Eli Sanders also was never going to be the every down back until he gets in the weight room more and puts on 30 pounds. But then that them being forced into that every down role because of injuries to Norton and Brock, it just made an out of position play even worse. So yeah, it's hard to give the running backs a grade. Um, I would say they, because of that though, they need more depth. Like if Jirel's not in there, I think Cartavius Norton's going to be a lot better next year than he is this year. Um, I would imagine Jirel's going to come back because you know, he's ta- physically talented enough as a blocker and as a smart football player to play at the next level at some point, but he's he not didn't even anything. do like senior day or anything. Did he? I don't think so, but like, he's yeah, not, no, gonna, no, yeah, he's, he's not good. got anything he's got not got enough on film. Like I wouldn't want to go out like that. Even if it's, even if I wasn't planning on playing at the next level, I don't want that to be my last season. So you're probably going to have Jirel Brock and Cartavius Norton. Those guys are going to get a lot better next year, but you got to have somebody else like Eli Sanders has got to get better and be more reliable in understanding what football is about. 
and knowing the situations and knowing your offensive assignments and knowing what the running or the, the offensive line is doing. So you got to just build depth. So I would even, I would say a transfer in, or are, I don't know, are they recruiting any running backs at all that have a chance I'm, to play? Come on, man. From your from your Southeast Polk Rams. Oh, Abu Sama. Come on. Yeah. Come on, I don't, man. But I didn't think he was going to play running back. I thought they were going to have him oh, yeah, playing. Oh, yeah, he is playing defensive back, yeah. Some, somewhere. I mean, the kid can absolutely play. But yeah. uh, if he is, I mean, he reminds me, uh, by the way, Abu Sama reminds me of Kene Wangwu, like, yeah. a lot. Is He's got a little more wiggle than Kene did. Um, and Kene was probably physically stronger than Sama. But, like, they play very similar. How about those dummies from New England kicking the ball to Kene last week? <laughs> Those idiots. He's got three touchdowns in two years. Yeah. If I keep that pace up, you're going to have like 30. Take that card, Cordero Patterson. Right, right. Um, But yeah, I would say get, I mean, whether, I don't know if, if Sama is going to be able to pick up all of that plus defense if you're going to have him play yeah. both plus well, track I think, and I think field. he might be playing defense more than that. Yeah. Yeah. But getting a transfer, getting another running back in there that's a big body that can do damage because Jirel's the only guy that was north of like, 200 pounds because Cartavius yeah. Norton probably was 200 in a program, but not really. So like you need another big body that can, that can be a short yardage grind it out style guy. And they just you, don't have that on the roster. If you had to make a prediction, where's Deion Silas playing next year? What kind of school is he playing at? Um, It feels like a swack. It's not a swack. So like a Sunbelt t- style, yeah. you know, you get a, not necessarily like Memphis, but like Florida Atlantic or something. Florida Atlantic, South Alabama, Troy, like something like that, and tearing it up. Because if he can get an open space, he'll be yeah. really good in a situation like that. He just doesn't have, like, Deuce Vaughn is the rare guy who has the balance and power at that size to capitalize on kind of the shiftiness that can come with it. Uh-huh. And he's, Silas is more just a short, straight, straight line guy. So it's, it's a little bit of a different feel, but, um, yeah, I would say he. I see him as a like a Sun Belt style running back. Okay, uh, let's do the wide receivers and tight ends group together. Um, all right, and let me ask you this: Xavier Hutchinson gets an A plus. He gets an A plus <laughs> plus. Yeah, he, he we, is. He's not roped into this conversation. He was everybody taking he, bes- everybody catching passes besides Xavier Hutchinson. He got a grade so good. In he was taking uh he was taking calculus and he yeah. got a grade so good that they just advanced him to like differential equations. Like he just went just skipped three grades. That's how good his his grade was. Um I this this I think is the most so the, the wide receivers are a position group that I think underperformed what we hoped that they would. I don't think that it was awful because I think there were times when Jalen Knoll was one of the best players in the field. Yeah, But there were also times when it was just, I think you talk about inconsistency. The wide receiver group was kind of the model of inconsistency where you'd have, uh, you know, a, a, again, Jalen Knoll being kind of the, the great example, the game against Texas where he's got, you know, a hundred something yards and two touchdowns. You can't touch him. You can't guard him. But then at the same time, he goes out and drops two passes the next week or will, uh, you know, miss a blocking assignment or whatever. And so it, the consistency was the problem. And then a guy like Demetri Stanley, same thing. Like he's, he would be really good for a little bit and then be really bad for another little bit. So like, they're the kind that's get, I don't know what the grade ends up being, but they're going to get a B plus on a test. And then they're going to get an F on the next homework assignment. And then they're going to get a C plus and then they're going to get an F and then they're going to get an A. And like, it's just all over the place. And, and then, everybody, everybody sits there and wonders if they're just cheating off of the guy who's got the A plus plus. <laughs> yeah. 
but nobody can really tell for sure. They haven't caught him yet. Yeah. Um, and then the tight ends, we talked about it last week. Uh, it, it just feels again, like they're another position group. It's the fish climbing a tree thing is yeah. it just felt like they weren't in a position where they are all pass catching tight ends, save for maybe Tyler Moore for next year. Uh, once he gets a little bit more mass on him. So save and for even maybe he, him. I think he's a pretty good pass catcher too. Right. He's, but yeah. he's more, yeah, he's more of a pass catcher, but is more capable of doing the yeah. in the box dirty work than Easton Dean and Deshaun Hanukkah are. But a guy like Deshaun Hanukkah towards the end of the year was one of the more reliable targets that they had. And I would, I would be surprised based on how his teammates react to him that he, if he wouldn't be a captain next year, like that seems like the type of person that he is. And so you have like a guy like Dean, who's again, super inconsistent, but could that touchdown against Texas Tech? Crazy. Good. Deshaun Hanica, really consistent, but then you have him block and it was terrible. But were they be they were being asked to block in these three tight end, one fullback situations where they can't really succeed because that's again fish in a tree. So I don't know. It they feel like a similar grade to the quarterback in that um a, a C or a C minus, but just not enough information to make a determination at all going forward. All right, the offensive line. Can we just say it's the same thing? Like it's just, and, and through the middle of the year, again, we talk about Jairo Brock getting hurt and how much of an effect it has on everybody without Jairo Brock. You can't get consistent run lanes because they don't know where the running back is going to be. They are blind to where the ball carrier is. So they're blocking to where they think he is. And without a guy who knows where he's actually supposed to be, they might be blocking great. And the guy just completely misses it. Or they might not even be able to block well because the running back's cutting too soon, brings the linebacker over the top, and the double team is completely blown up because the running back's angle doesn't work. But then at times, they've just whiffed. You know, and like Remsburg, I think under himself underperformed a good bit from what we expected him to in like pass protection, especially as the right tackle for a left-handed quarterback, you got to be a blindside protector. So I don't know. It, it felt like they underperformed, but they were also hampered by how bad the running backs room was due to injury. Do you feel like that position is just weird? Cause I feel like, um, Every year we hear about how much better they're getting at that at that spot. You hear some names about different guys that are going to be the the guys. You know, you think back into the offseason, some of the praise that Tyler Miller was getting by the end of the year, he was he'd basically been benched. You know, uh, and then I mean, it just is a weird. That's just a weird position. I feel like you know yeah, where where it seems like the guys that get praised don't generally even end up showing up on Saturdays when it comes down to it. I just, I think that there's just something off at that spot. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, it doesn't, if they, it just felt like they, they were 90% of the way there, but the last 10% is what makes or breaks the effectiveness of the thing where they would be mostly together and then miss a combination or they would mostly communicate everything, but then miss a twister or like catch it sort of late where uh, Simmons has to hold somebody or they mostly get a run block fit, but then they kind of, they get their feet tangled and they miss it. So like they were 90% of the way there, but that doesn't count. Like I've said this expression before and I really enjoy it, which is 
No one cares how hard it looks like you're working. They only care how hard you're actually working. So the, it's the guy who's running sprints, who's, you know, and, you know, like doing all that kind of shit and then finishing 10 yards behind everybody. It's like, dude, no one cares that, it, that you're making it look like you're running hard, actually run hard. So it feels like the offensive line was getting close to that point, but they weren't actually executing. They're just like, it was just a whole bunch of near misses for the entire year. What do you feel like the future of that position looks like? I, I think it has to have a new coach. I, I mean, I don't know if it's a new coach or a new scheme, but uh, if five guys are doing 90% of the work and are 10% short, then it has to fall on either the leadership of the team for internally, which you got to train new leaders, or it comes from the leadership that is actually coaching them. And it feels like that, um, you know, that, that has been lackluster in the, execution of the offense because that unit has to play together and that consistently 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 play together yeah and they just haven't i mean last year uh, and i was gonna say i i think that this is like this is not a one-year deal this is not reactionary at that spot i don't think that that unit in my mind has underperformed expectations for several years you know yeah it's and it is weird though because they you have you know a 15 million yard rusher in Brees Hall, but that just shows how good Brees Hall is. But at the same time, it shows how good you can make, how how good an offensive line can be when they know where they're going. Even if they're not like mauling people out of the way, if they know exactly where the person is supposed to be, they know where their miss can be. Basketball example, if you know that Dennis Rodman is going to be able to get the long rebound, like you miss, you miss it over the back or not over the backboard, over the rim, takes that long carom, you get the long rebound. He's going to put it back up. You can take that. You feel confident to take that shot then because even if you miss, it's not that big of a deal. So you know where you can actually miss. That does They they didn't have that. They didn't know, if, do I miss to his left shoulder, to his right shoulder? Do I have to go right down the middle? Where is this back going to be? So they never had it. But this again, at the same time, make a hole big enough that doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It just feels like that group was again, just like the wide receivers, just like the tight ends, it was just completely inconsistent from, from week to week, from play to play, especially again with the running back depth that they had. All right. I imagine the defensive side will be uh, much quicker. A, a unit as a whole. I mean, we're giving them an A, right? You gotta get, you gotta get an A. I mean, yeah. Throwing yeah the last, I mean, they the, the last the week in, in scoring, passing rushing and total defense like and you got to toss last week out the window a little bit because again you you got to really want to be there and tcu really really did and iowa state really really did tcu had tcu had something to play for you know i mean tcu's trying to go to the college football playoff like yeah yeah and it was so i i don't know it feels like they yeah yeah toss it out the window i think as a as an entire unit it's got to be an a and that's the thing that that um i think i don't know what what, i don't know what john haycock's making now more. It ain't enough. It ain't more. enough. More. Yeah. Until he's like the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football at this point. And the thing is, is it doesn't feel like it's going to take a step back. No. I mean, knock yeah, on wood. I think you keep getting better, you know. It, it uh, you got guys like, I mean, the, the young crop of defensive, end, the, like the interior defensive ends that they have with uh, Howard Brown and Dominic Orange, like they got some good guys in there too. And then if MJ Anderson, assuming that he's, Back, they come yeah. back for another year. Like MJ Anderson is probably going to be the leading sack guy on that defense. 
they're losing one of the Petersons, but you you have guys to restock that. Uh, what was number eleven? Tyler uh, Onyadim. Yeah, yeah. He was started towards the end of the year. Started playing pretty well too. So like you have multiple guys in defensive line. Uh, your safeties I, are now. I'm never gonna question an Eli Rashid coached room. No, that group just shows up. You don't even need to wonder if they're going to be they, good. And they play so unselfishly that yeah. they are not – like Will McDonald, he got invited to the Senior Bowl. I would imagine he's going to do well at the Senior Bowl. The things that they might knock him for are when you get like a uh, you know, like a 2v2 type thing where it's like a tackle and a guard, and then it's like a defensive end and a linebacker, and they're just working on combo blocks. And as a defender, you're trying to either – you know, you're holding that up or you're trying to whatever. Like he's probably not going to do awesome in those type of drills. But give him <laughs> – Get that fella one-on-one in a pass rush drill. Yeah. Good luck. Like yeah. that is going to, he's going to do well, but at the same time, he didn't, he, he got a few sacks this year, substantially less than you'd think, but the defense was better from last year to this year because he was playing within the system that he needed to. You get John Haycock and Eli Rashid to get a potential first round NFL draft pick or top two round NFL draft pick to play within the system. And that's, that is, that says a bunch. Yeah. All right. The so what is what's the defensive line grade? A. I mean, it, it, is there a position on the defense that you would not give an A? Maybe the I linebackers. Think, I would say the linebackers were a B plus, but the yeah. say I, I think the the defensive line was an A A minus. Linebackers are a B plus. Secondary was a A triple plus. I mean, the second that was the best secondary play that Iowa State has probably ever had. That every once in a while you get a blown coverage. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while. But at the same time, Bo Freiler, Anthony Johnson, Tavon Kyle, those three guys are unreal football players. TJ Tampa, you mean? Yeah. TJ, sorry, TJ Tampa. Um, nothing against Tavon nothing, Kyle. Nothing we against love, Tavon Kyle, Tavon but TJ Tavon Tampa. Tavon. Those yeah. just, yeah, the three guys, Tampa, Johnson, and Freeler, like those guys are, were next level good this year. And two of those three are likely to come back. And depending on, you know, whatever Tampa's draft grade and, you know, whatever, we don't know what's going to happen in the off season, but like that secondary unit was terrific. Yeah. All right. Special teams. Yeah. F. Um, can we separate, I'm going to separate the special teams into okay. two bits. Okay. Punt, One punting and kicking. No, in, in operations. Oh, okay. And everything else. Yeah. So operations being snapping, holding, kicking. Uh, or snapping punting, like the actual from ball to foot, like that part operations, and then the everything else. The everything else, actually not bad. Like the blocking at, at some points, especially against Iowa, like trying to, you're, to granted, you got like uh, a 220 or 210 pound safety trying to block Luke Van Ness. So like schematically, yeah. they, they got out of that a little bit. Um, but the blocking and covering, other than, again, I, I think the Jalen Knoll th- return against Kansas is sort of the notwithstanding thing. They did pretty well. They blocked a kick this year. Actually, a couple kicks, didn't they? One or two. But I, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State, they blocked two kicks this mm-hmm. year. So like, And uh, blocked a field goal early in the year. So you have... And they blocked a punt at some point, yeah. They blocked two punts. That's the same. One against Texas and one against Oklahoma State. They blocked two punts this year. Like, the execution of the special teams was actually pretty good. They yeah. covered well. They didn't get set up a bunch of returns. I would say the the only thing that I would put negative is the punt returner position where they needed to field the ball a lot more aggressively and safely. But outside yeah. of that, 
special teams generally were pretty good. So I'd give it like a B minus, like with the, the, the coverage and blocking and tackling of special teams operations is a negative F like the, uh, kick, it, the kicking was bad. The, kick, the, the operations snap, hold kick. That was abysmal other than Tyler Perkins. Um, but even Tyler Perkins operations time, he needs to get the ball off faster. So you can actually yeah. cover it, which he did towards the end of the year. Mostly. Tyler but, Perkins gets a C as a product he gets of, a C. Of, a, of a D for his the first part and then a B for the kicking. Yeah. But the just the rest of the operations is so bad. And yeah. what's amazing is that that is a thing that you can coach. That's golf. Like operations is golf. It's just high. It's with pads. But like you are hitting a ball to a spot basically without pressure you golfers are good you they're also bad golfers you can also coach a bad golfer to be a good golfer so like you got to be able to get them to a point where like i don't i think when when people criticize the special teams generally the special teams was okay the operations was abysmal that was i think that's the big difference so that has to get better and i don't know if you bring in a uh like a, a coach kicking for the kickers, specialist a yeah. kick, just a kicking specialist and you i mean jj cole's or jamie cole's son is going to be a quarterback and the kick, the kicking coach for Ankeny, his name is Rame, like coached how many, I mean, Cole Netton, like Kyle Schlicker, there had a bunch of dudes like in a row that at Ankeny that went on to play, kick in college. And you got that guy and you got Jamie Cole that are like 20 minutes away from where your campus is. Granted, scheduling is a little bit different, but those guys like they, they you have people that can coach that. Yeah. It just feels like you want to, you got to just the operations, yeah. the operations have to get a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better. Special teams were better than you think. Operations was worse than you think. All right. Last one. Let me ask you this. What grade does Matt Campbell get? Ooh. Um, I think – okay, so let me qualify this with one thing first. It's hard to know what was happening behind the scenes in that we don't know why – they elected to go with the multiple tight ends towards the end of the Texas tech game. Like maybe they had a thing where in practice, they literally couldn't complete, you know, someone has fallen apart and they couldn't complete a pass. And you don't have enough time between four games left in the season to get Rocco up to speed or get a wide receiver who can do something. Or, you know, we don't know the the constituents behind it, but assuming that we have like, assuming that the information that we have is good enough I would say it's probably in the C plus B minus category because the players we talked about it last week or the week before where the players formations plays mantra did not get followed where it went formations plays players where you started to force people into positions where they're not naturally comfortable and then expect them to execute when they can't really do the job you're asking them to do. Now, at the same time, Campbell get has to get credit for the defense and getting the the talent and a recruitment on defense. A guy like Darian Porter, he doesn't get to get moved over to the defense and just automatically becomes a good corner. You have to identify that person, train him, get him to the right position, let John Haycock go to work. But at the same time, he also doesn't get a pass from having an offensive line that can't really organize themselves to get a running back to be functional in that offense. So you got to take the good of the defense or the bad of the offense and kind of mesh them together. So I think it's like a C plus B minus. Um, and I'm interested to see what he does in this off season, because I think 
we've mentioned it before. I would be really, really surprised if there are not staff changes of some sort. I don't know what that is. And it might be that uh, he calls one of his buddies that's a coach and says, hey, you know, honestly, I'm picking an A. I have no idea. Like, hey, Jeff Myers is really not that bad of a coach. We're just in a situation where he can't like we can't bring him back because of just the optics. We got the optics of it. So if you want a really good offensive line coach, I would really recommend hiring Jeff Myers. And he's not like going to fire him, but he just got it like he has to move on. So I don't know if it's one, what the, the mechanics of that change at whatever positions are going to be, but I think there's naturally going to be changes. And I'm interested to see how that then changes around. And you also then have a culture rebuild because it got a little toxic towards the end of the year, especially in the offensive side, because you don't get, you don't get beat 62 to 14 with Kumbaya, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you then can fix that and kind of use that as no one thinks you can do anything next year. You, th everyone think you're going to get picked dead last in the conference, maybe over West Virginia, but you're going to get picked dead last in the conference. What are you going to do about it? Like if you can use that as a motivating tactic, you can do something with it in the next year. But uh, I would say, this is yes. going to be an, this is going to be an interesting off season. Very it's interesting. Be, and it's, I think it's going to be an interesting month because most of the off season is yeah. going to take place. Like, so the conference championships are Saturday. The bowl slots are developed Sunday. Usually Monday is when the, like Monday through Wednesday of like next week is when a lot of the coaching changes happen. I think next Monday is when the transfer portal opens. So you're going to, I mean, it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Next Monday is when the transfer portal opens. I think we, I bet we we'll probably have some, should. I bet we'll have some answers on what Iowa State's going to do. Probably. I don't know. I would think by the time that transfer portal opens, you would have a pretty good idea of what you're going to do. Yeah. You know? Yep. We'll have to do some emergency podcasts or something like that as we kind of keep uh, towards, the, towards the end of next week. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys again. Got soon. one thing. Shame, yeah. I'm going to do a shameless self-promotion here. So during the off season, um, we have just with the gyms, we have just like a, a, a podcast series that we're actually releasing. So it's called fitter every day. So if you want to get more of me during the off season, we're talking not about football, but like how essentially how fitness works. So if you're interested in that, Fitter Every Day on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. So shameless self-promotion for myself. Just what everybody wants. More Jeff Woody. More me. <laughs> As Jared stares blankly into the camera. We will uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.